offseason has barely begun, but already there is plenty of news to talk about. Hello, everybody, and welcome to the latest episode of Miami Total Football Radio, or as you know that I like to say, Miami Total Football Radio. I am your host on this week's pod, and with me, as always, is David Beckham's long, long, long lost cousin, though I don't know if he wants that nickname anymore, uh, Steve Brenner. Steve, how are you doing this week? How was your your weekend? How, is, how have these last two weeks been? Because it's been a couple of weeks since we've done a pod. Yeah, no, yeah, all, all good, all good, thanks. Just um, not reeling, but certainly surprised at the sort of what we're going to get into later on in terms of the, the goings and comings and arguments and miscommunications and cross wires and everything else has sort of gone on. I mean, my wife said, you're doing another podcast, isn't the season over? I was like, yeah, but, um, you know, the news, news keeps coming, which is good for us. It keeps us talking, keeps us in business and uh, keeps the stories coming as well. So it's going to be interesting to divulge what, what went down and what's going to go, going to go down because there seems to be a lot of, a lot of rumblings and discontent behind the scenes. Yeah, there's plenty to talk about, and it all started last week on Wednesday, Wednesday night to be exact, with the announcement that Paul McDonough was stepping down from his roles with the team. And, you know, we talked about doing a pod immediately after, but with the U.S. Men's National Team game happening that night that I went to, and then me traveling the next day to to Columbus for MLS Cup Final, we just couldn't squeeze it in in time. Obviously, we didn't know that news was was coming, caught us by, by surprise. As it did a lot of people, but we're going to get into that as well as the Diego Alonso rumors that popped up this week, as well as the roster decisions that were made uh, a couple of weeks ago in terms of whose options are picked up, whose options have not been picked up, which players have been traded, uh, Ben Sweat, and you know how the offseason is shaping up because this end of 2020 has been is shaping up to be pretty, pretty dramatic uh, and pretty eventful. So. We're going to get into all of that, but just as a quick reminder to give us a follow on all our social media accounts at Miami Total Football on YouTube and Facebook, at MIA Total Football on Twitter, and at Miami underscore Total underscore Football on Instagram. But with that, we'll jump right into it, so let's get to it. All right, Steve. So as we've said, it's been a pretty chaotic couple of weeks with regards to Inter-Miami. It started with some player transactions or some player moves which we'll get to a little bit later on the pod but let's start with the biggest news or well the biggest factual news something that's actually happened which is Paul McDonough's departure from the team it was announced last Wednesday night that Paul McDonough was stepping down from his roles as the sporting director and the chief operations officer what did you make of the news Steve what did you think about how it all came out and how it all transpired and, and how do you see this impacting inner Miami going forward I mean, you know, someone someone had to take take the take the rap, I guess, for, for what transpired over over the season. And you know, we'll get to Diego Alonso in in a bit, I guess. But you know, Paul McDonough has been there from the start, from from the birth of of the club. He was responsible for bringing in players and and molding a squad. You know, I remember remember interviewing him just as a state when they took us to the stadium for the first time. And you know, I spoke to him about Beckham and you know how he's on the phone to David and constantly talking about players, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. He was the guy on the ground that was supposed to build a squad and, and, and help them thrive in their first season. And I think when you, you analyse the players he brought in, the players that they've released or subsequently going to release, and the other players that have come in and, and the players that he's brought in that, that haven't done, any, done, done well, I guess he had to pay for, you know, he had to pay for the, the sort of 
pretty woeful season with with his job. You know, it sounds like there's been a lot of discontent behind the scenes, a lot of a lot of you know arguments or or miscommunications or people just not pulling their weight, unhappy with, with certain things. It hasn't been a happy camp, and I guess as his role as sporting director, his all encompassing role, a lot of that falls onto his remit. So. He, he, I guess he he had to go. I mean, we were quite surprised, to be honest, that, that you know the decision was made so, so quickly and the, the axe fell. But you know, I guess he he ultimately nice guy that he is. He he failed. He failed in, in his job, and people were saying, well, he did it well at Atlanta, but then you know he had the tools given to him. The same in Orlando. So you know, he's 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 a former agent. You know, very nice guy, but just got a lot of transfers wrong, or they didn't work for one reason or another. I think a lot of it has to do also with the fact that Diego was only brought in for three months, two months before the start of the season um, and had to sort of deal with everything that had been laid down for him, the plans that had been laid down. But ultimately, those plans weren't good enough and weren't resolute enough to help to help the team. Yeah, I mean, I think it was surprising because of... This is Inter-Miami's first season, right? This is their first year with a, with a team, an on-field product. So it was a bit surprising in, in that sense. But like I wrote in my column last week for SBISoccer.com, it was also... Not entirely unexpected, right? Because Inter Miami came out with very ambitious goals. You know, they stated that. Uh, even Paul McDonough at one point stated that that they weren't just looking to make the playoffs in in 2020. That they were looking for more than that, even as an expansion team. And clearly, obviously, there were things like COVID that you couldn't have foreseen or taken into account when the year started. But Inter Miami, nonetheless, still felt very well short of. Their their lofty expectations, their self-imposed lofty expectations, and I, and I wrote this in the column last week as well. For me, because we don't have an explanation for why he's stepping down from from his roles, right? We and we say, well, I'm saying he's stepping down because he hasn't officially completely done so. He's still helping the team transition uh, with this in this front office shakeup. So he's still involved with some of the stuff that's going on right now. It's just with the idea that he will be gone. Uh, fairly soon or, or in the near future. But this is something I touched on, and, and I think he just failed and did not meet the team's vision for what they wanted to do. I think, you know, hiring a coach so late in the process after reportedly missing on a couple of, of other candidates, bringing Diego Alonso in December 30th of last year, we're, we're closing in on a, almost a year ago to the date, but uh, it was a mere few weeks before preseason began, and, and Diego Alonso is a foreign-based coach, so he's got to get used to, to the MLS uh, roster rules and and all the difficulties that MLS has, so that that was you know a, a major strike uh, against against the job that he did. Then, like you said, there were some of the players he brought on board. You know, they spent a lot of money on Pellegrini and Carranza, and obviously those are longer term projects. But neither showed much in 2020, so that that's another strike against him. You know, we've talked on this pod repeatedly about the the players, even the MLS players he brought in, not necessarily fitting. Uh, what Diego Alonso wanted or what Diego Alonso liked. So there was just a lot of things that kind of went against him. And then, you know, once you throw in things like no jersey sponsor or no stadium sponsor, which are things that eventually fell under his umbrella because he took uh, a bigger role with the team, right? He wasn't just a sporting director anymore. He became the chief operations officer once Jurgen Meinke uh, was relieved of his duties or, or once Jurgen Meinke kind of, you know, was left the team. So... You know, Paul McDonough had a lot of responsibility and a lot of power, uh, but it seemed like he didn't fulfill the needs of, of the ownership, and it, it's ultimately, I guess, why he he was, you know, why why they made the decision to part ways with him. You know, obviously the timing of 
of the information uh, of that of that news happens on Wednesday night, the same night that Inter Miami CF Stadium's going to hold uh, U.S. Men's National Team versus El Salvador friendly. I was on the way to that friendly when the news dropped. Actually, I think I just arrived in the parking lot um, when that news dropped. So, I mean, that was definitely. Uh, in my opinion, at least a, a good PR game plan to, to drop it at the same time that a game that's gonna that's gonna grab national attention um, is about to happen. So that you know the whole you the whole spotlight. Him, you, didn't, you didn't see him in the car park packing up his thing. <laughs> no, 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 not yet, not yet. We have we, I didn't get a chance to to see him. Um, you know, but maybe it's a bit surprising that he goes as, as opposed to just Diego Alonso, which again we'll get to in a moment because normally in MLS you see coaches go first. And sporting directors normally have a little more leeway. They, they, they get a little longer rope or longer leash. And, but this time it's, it's happened the opposite way where the sporting director um, is going. So he's still involved, but they have that. Now they have a massive position in the front office to, to fill. You know, I, I, it's, it's, there's so many questions now. There's so many questions as to how they poach this offseason. You know, who's going to call all the shots? Who's making, who's calling these shots? Is it Diego Alonso? I mean, I would have said yes a week ago, but now with all the the latest rumors, it's it's a bit unclear. So um, yeah, and, and, I don't you know, know. and they're also on the back foot now. They now have to appoint someone else. You know, Diego's future is is, is up in the air. Um, so that it's, it's not it's not great. I mean, it's it's good to, to make the cut and okay, you're going to start afresh, but kind of sort of back to square one. That different guys going to come in with different ideas. So you would have to wait and see, but it's it's a kind of little spanner in the works when really you would have thought that we, as we've been going on about it, they would use the preseason to get ready and, and fine tune plans and get a you know full preseason behind all that sort of stuff. It's it's going to set them back a bit, I think. Yeah, I mean, I, I wrote in my column that I think this is going to this is a move that's going to have a ripple effect for years to come because obviously when you change such a pivotal piece, especially on the sporting side, um, a guy that's brought in players, you know, you can't and, and players that are on guaranteed contracts, you can't just get rid of them or dispose of them you know it takes time to to get and build out of of that vision to try to fully integrate to a new vision so this this first season man it, you know given what's happening now what's transpiring now uh it, it feels like a lost season for this team because you know they're re- they're starting from scratch in terms of the sporting director they may be starting from scratch in terms of their their head coach so it's like this first season was a real big whiff, a real big miss. Um, clearly, on the on the field, we saw a lot of issues, a lot of a lot of room for improvement. But I mean, obviously, you know, a lot of it started with with Paul McGonna. And look, let's I'm going to be try to be as fair as possible to him. I don't think it was solely his fault. I think Diego Alonso, you know, didn't make the best out of what he had available. I think the talent on this squad was still better than tenth place in the Eastern Conference. And obviously there was COVID, um, but at the end of the day, I don't think Paul McDonough did a good enough job of, of out of the responsibility he was given. And you know, to give you more examples, uh, you know, he missed on signing star players when when the season resumed. You know, he talked about trying to get William and Edison Cavani uh, over to Inter Miami, and he couldn't get those deals done. Eventually, he gets Gonzalo Higuain, but there's just a lot of a lot of things he just missed on, and and maybe this again we don't know we haven't been able we still have not been able to speak to Inter Miami leadership at all, so we don't know we don't have this is just us speculating we don't have any answers we haven't gotten any quotes from anybody we haven't you know so I think it was just a matter of ownership being like look we're a very ambitious club that needs a certain we have, we have a certain bar that we need. Uh, our sporting director to be at, and Paul McDonough just didn't 
didn't meet that when, when all things were said and done. But let's switch over to the coaching side because there were there's news this week that came out. And it was, I guess, a bit of a mess here because, you know, news comes out on Monday that Diego Alonso has been fired. Uh, the Athletic reported that. Then it was retracted. You know, that, that, that their, their, their news or their publication, their tweet was taken was taken out, taken back. The club said Diego Alonso is still very much Inter Miami's head coach. That's what I heard. That's what I think I believe you heard, and, and a few others have heard as well. The Athletic, you know, I, I don't want to say altered, but they they tweaked the story, you know, to, to to more correctly present what happened. And supposedly, based on this report, is that Diego Alonso had a meeting with ownership after the season to talk about. The campaign, the 2020 season, and they expressed their displeasure at what went on, the results, and he came away from that thinking he was fired, and he let people know that, and that started to make its its way, and it made it made the rounds, and I guess that's you know the athletic caught wind of that and 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 reported that, but he has not been fired, and this is just really strange overall, you know. This is not, I'm not talking about the athletic, just the overall scenario, the overall circumstance, and the overall story of, of this is just very weird. Like, I've never heard of anything like this before. Have you ever seen anything like this? Is, is this like an anomaly? Or, or have, I mean, I don't know. To me, this is this is mind blowing that this stuff is going on. I don't know. I mean, it, it's a very, very strange. I don't think I've ever come across anything where a manager has told people that the, that the club is going to get sacked only for the club then to, to retract it. I mean, you've got to picture the scene. I mean, they're probably on Zoom. Diego, Beckham, you know, Jorge Mass. I mean, Jorge Mass would be speaking to him in Spanish, wouldn't he? I mean, so yeah, there's I not, would imagine so. It's not a problem that, you know, that the, I don't think his message could have got across incorrectly or, or not. But, you know, we, we, we're both journalists. We both speak to people. You know, I spoke, we sp- I spoke to someone yesterday who basically said, you know, that he can't believe what's gone on in, in the whole year. He was told that, that you know, uh, Diego was, was gone. Then all of a sudden the, the club backtracks. Other club staff just have absolutely no idea what's what's going on. It's it's very, very strange. And um, I just it, it's as if... Just with like Paul McDonough, he, he wasn't sacked, but he, he's kind of moving on. But he's still there. It's as if are they, are they scared to sort of sack him? Do they not want to sack him? Are they just trying to sort of pave the way for him to just go off into the sunset and go back to Uruguay or, or go to another job or do, or do whatever he wants? It's it's really weird, but definitely you know as we've both spoken to people you know in and around the club, they really have absolutely no idea what is <laughs> what is going on right now, having been told literally 24 hours earlier that, he, that he'd gone so you know and and we're, like you say we're not really getting any communication from the club we haven't spoken to speak to Paul McDonough since he was wheeled out every five minutes at the start of the season I don't think we've spoken to him since June or even before I, I think remember March I think Ju- when July 1st was the last time we spoke to him um the day that they left to MLS is back um, right that's, so that's five more than five months ago at, at this point it's super weird and yeah there's I think there's more explanation but the bottom line of, of what we're hearing certainly is that it's been a mess behind the scenes for quite a long time now and this everything now is kind of coming to roost and just as we it has been a mess so it's also been a mess of, of, of them trying to get rid of him so um it's a kind of watch this space but like we said, from from the people that we're speaking to, uh, things aren't aren't well there, and they, they need to have big changes ahead of ahead of um, you know next season. Yeah, I just I, I'm just having a hard time understanding 
what happened in in this meeting because I mean you, I mean you're 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 picturing it being like them all on Zoom. I would picture it maybe just because of you know distance proximity. I would imagine that Jorge Mas and Diego Alonso sat down in person and maybe they then they zoomed call David Beckham. This again, this is just my. Not, not, it's not information. It's just my sensation. What I what I would picture to ha- have happened because again, Jorge Mas is here in, in Miami. Uh, Diego Alonso is, is, lives here in Miami, so I would imagine that they were able to meet in person and maybe have David there on on a Skype call or a Zoom call. Um, I just don't understand how it goes in the way of him thinking he's fired to the point where he's telling people, and then like it's very mind boggling, man. It's very strange. You know, it w- if we could speak to somebody, that would help us clear up some answers. That would help send a message to the fan base because this whole thing is just mind-boggling, man. It's just it's well, so you know, strange. It's so odd that that and and like you said, we've spoken to people um, since the season ended on the on the back end and then got some information, and it's mostly been I would say it's been more negative than positive about what what's transpired this season. But I mean, this last twist. Is very very odd, and I just like I, my question to you is: Do you think, Diego, like at this point right now, based on what we do know, do you see Diego Alonso being Inter Miami's head coach in twenty twenty one? When the first ball starts rolling, will Diego Alonso be Inter Miami's head coach? I don't, I don't, th- I don't think so now. I don't think so now because the the, the, the longer if they make a bad start, then this it's all going to come back to this, isn't it? There clearly has been some some breakdown of of trust between him and the ownership. You know, I mean, as journalists, you try and work out. Exactly where the stories came from. You know, it could have come. Maybe Paul had spoken to to someone else. He'd given them a, a, a sort of recollection of, of what had happened, what had happened, and then you know they went with that story, and then the club had to retract it. So you don't really know. You know, you never. It's you're always getting information from sort of the outside. You're not. We haven't got a number for Diego Alonso. At least I haven't. Um, so we're not getting it from the horse's mouth. So. There seems to have been some sort of breakdown there. But I, yeah, just going back to your point, I don't think that with everything else that's gone on now, I, I mean, he'd have to he'd have to perform superbly in the opening sort of quarter of the season, I think, to try and claw claw everything back. Because I think it's it looks like it's kind of gone a bit bit south for him right now. And there was stories today emanating from Uruguay that he's been he's being tapped up maybe to go back there. So, you know, maybe he's kind of laying the groundwork as well to to, to, to get out and, and as we keep repeating it's been a mess behind the scenes maybe more than we've actually properly known about you know during the season because obviously we were concentrating on the games but behind the scenes it hasn't been great and I think that probably adds into everything yeah I, I mean last week when I saw when we saw the news about Paul McDonough I wrote this you know I thought ownership was going to make a decision between one of them someone had to pay some sort of price and then they decided it was going to be with the removal of one of them and I thought with Paul McDonough, and I thought, okay, they're going to go all in on Diego Alonso in 2021. They're going to give him a chance to execute his vision with the type of players he wants as he sees fit. And I thought, look, I, th- I have my questions about Diego Alonso as a, as a head coach in MLS and whether he can cut it because he does seem to be fitting a lot of the year or the foreign-based MLS coach stereotypes that doesn't necessarily rate MLS players and doesn't necessarily understand the full grasp or the full scope of what it takes to be successful in Major League Soccer with all its different rules and mechanisms and, and different wrinkles that they have to try to create parity. So 
I don't. I have. I have my questions about Diego Alonso, but I thought they were going to go all in on his vision for 2021, and I thought that that was. If that's the case. Why, why did they appoint him in the first place? I mean, you know, you know. But, I mean, he, but that, they didn't. They didn't make that call, right? That was Paul McDonough's call. So, like, what I'm what I'm trying to say is, I thought once Paul was let go, once they made the decision to let Paul go, that Diego would get an opportunity in 2021 to to fully implement his vision sure. and his style. I thought that would, and you know, for better or for worse. Again, with my question about Diego Alonso, I thought. Doing one or the other was probably the best the best chance they had at making twenty twenty one as successful a season as it can be. Because now, if you blow up everything, you blow up the head coach, you blow up the the the, the sporting director, you're essentially starting from scratch yet again. And you're cu- and you're gonna have let's say a sporting director, a new sporting director, and maybe a new head coach that again doesn't necessarily like the pieces they have, doesn't doesn't necessarily see these pieces as fitting. You know their vision for how the game should be played or how they want to approach things. So, if they get rid of both, I think that would be a mistake at this point. Even with there being questions about Diego Alonso, I think you got to give him an opportunity because if you if you blow this whole thing up, you're you're really starting from zero, man. You might be starting from before zero, given that you know you already have pieces in place, contracts signed with some of these players that may not be what the next head coach wants, um, and that and that can set you back years. Just look at you know Orlando City that took various years to get out of the initial struggles that they had their first few seasons and they finally made the playoffs in in 2020 so i mean i don't know if there's anything else you want to add with regards to that but it's this is definitely not a not a great situation for inter miami no and just you know the word in the training ground amongst most of the staff and i you know i don't know how many of the the players i guess are interspersed now but they all know what went down players speak the players the coaching staff they all speak to each other and they will know that Diego Alonso at one point thought that he was sacked and told people that he'd been sacked only for there to be some sort of weird backtracking situation. So I just think there's an element of sort of trust and respect potentially that could be broken down. And I think we're going to re- keep returning to this thing ad nauseum after they lose and lose and lose games to the point where it's just going to be too much. He's going to get sacked. I think that that's, unfortunately that's just the way it goes unless he can turn it around. But, you know, he may have a beautiful bromance with the next sporting director. And, you know, but normally, you know, these guys come in, they have their own ideas of what they want to do. And he'll be speaking with Beckham and Jorge Mass and all these guys and saying, this is the direction we should go. Is this, is this, is this guy the right guy to, to take us forward? And, I don't know. Like I say, a lot of a lot of questions to be asked, and unfortunately, we're not actually getting the opportunity to ask anyone any questions yet at all. But maybe in the next week or so, we'll get some answers. But you can understand maybe why they've been a bit reticent to speak because um, all hell's been breaking loose anyway. So they want to keep us at arm's length. Look, I, I'll add this, and if you want to add any two cents to it as well, look. And I, again, I want it to be fair to, to all the every all the parties involved. This. Pablo Dunham maybe didn't do a great job. Maybe Diego Alonso didn't do a great job. But the this this all starts, and I wrote this in my column as well. I, I keep rever- referring back to that and reverting back to that because it's, it's a. I think it's an important point. This begins with ownership making the decision to sign Paul McDonough, despite there being questions about his resume. He had success in Atlanta, but some of that success, from what people, from what some people have said, was more in line because of what Tata Martino brought on board, as opposed to maybe what Paul McDonough was doing there. He also struggled. He had no, sorry. He didn't also he struggled in Orlando. Lasted one MLS season there before he was let go. Before they mutually agreed to part ways. Something very similar to this situation, right? So there were questions about Paul McDonough going, you know, before he was hired, or there should have been, and they decided to go with him 
over someone who was a finalist, like Chris Henderson, who works at the Seattle Sounders, who have had success almost immediately after his appointment. Now, he's the sporting director there. He's not the general manager. That's Garth Lagerwey. But Chris Henderson had played for the Fusion. He is an MLS guy. He understands MLS. He's had success with the Seattle Sounders. They've won, I think, seven trophies since they came into into MLS, seven significant pieces of, of, of hardware. And he also has helped them get to four out of the last five MLS Cup finals. So this started with Beckham and Moss. And every domino that has fallen since then is because of the first decision to sign Paul McDonough instead of Chris Henderson. And I, yes, hindsight is twenty twenty, of course. But if you put their resumes side by side, I would have taken Chris Henderson nine, I mean, 10 times out of 10. Like, the, he's done a, a fantastic job with a team that spends money in the Pacific Northwest. I mean, maybe his connections in South America aren't as, as, uh, as established as maybe Paul McDonough's were. I don't know. But, I mean, Chris Henderson's resume, to me, is more impressive than Paul McDonough's, especially when you throw in the fact that he's played in Miami he, and he's an MLS, former MLS player, so he, he has those ties as well. Um, I wouldn't be surprised if they try to go and get him again yeah. because that's, you know, I think I think he, he would have made sense uh, or more sense. But, you know, again, hindsight's twenty twenty, so I don't know if you want to add anything there as well. Yeah, no, I mean, I remember speaking to a coach way back in February about his, you know, about Paul McDonough, and he was wasn't very complimentary. He didn't really think he was he was he was up to the task, and 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 so and so so it proved. I mean, I spoke to other agents who said that you know, Inter Miami was a bit of a closed shop. That you know, that he tended just to deal with what he knew, which is fair enough. You know, agents do dip the work like that, and sporting directors do work like that. But they felt that it was a bit difficult to to get answers from them, and etc. Cetera, etc. Cetera. But that's that's only one agent saying it. But certainly, what this other coach that I spoke to in February said was. Um, he wasn't very complimentary, and actually thinking about now what he was saying and, and looking to it now, then it it kind of made kind of made perfect sense. So as I said, it's going to be interesting to see what happens next. Yeah, well, the next decision for uh, David Beckham and Jorge Mas is a massive one. So we'll see how that unfolds. We're going to take a quick break, and we're going to talk about the players, the actual roster moves that have happened over the past few weeks. After this. Steve, so we did some talking about this on the last pod in terms of performances, players who we thought did well, who did not do well, and these are the roster moves that were made since we last had a pod. The only player that had his option ex for 2021 was John McCarthy. These following players had their options declined. Mikey Ambrose, Juan Agudelo, Jerome Kiesvetter, David Norman Jr., Alvis Powell, Andres Reyes, Luis Robles, the captain, and Denso Ulisi. And these players, these following players, are out of contract. AJ De La Garza, Federico Higuain, Breck Shea, Will Trapp. Anything surprise you out of that bunch? Anything noteworthy for you there? No, not 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 really. It was kind of how we how we sort of predicted, wasn't it? We we, we did use quite big up Ben Sweat. I mean, you know, he seemed like he was sort of workman like, but you know, again, he sort of fell by the wayside. But you know. When you look at what they've got, the 12 players that were protected, McCarthy, Figal, Gonzalo Perez, Reyes, Uloa, Matuidi, Morgan, Bizarro, Federico Higuain, no, um, Gonzalo Higuain, 
Carranza, Pellegrini. Oh, Fuego Green is also protected as well. Uh, no, he, he's out of contract, and they did not protect him. Oh, okay, that's. I mean, that is a. I think that is a decent core, and that the whole problem has been all season is it is what goes on around it. What who else have they got to come in to change things when there was injuries, suspensions, whatever? The rest of the squad just isn't good enough, and you can see on that list that that is. That has been the case. And every other player they've, they've tried to brought in and, and integrate into this ethos of what they're trying to do, it just hasn't worked. So, you know, I, you know more than me, but that's a pretty lengthy list of, of people that are either out of contract or are going to go. So that that sort of shows that there's going to be, you know, a lot of a lot of trading around and, and moving different parts into different positions because they haven't got, they just haven't got a settled squad whatsoever. Yeah, and so you touched on the protected list. You were talking about the MLS expansion draft, which took place earlier today, Tuesday. No Inter-Miami players were selected by Austin FC in the expansion draft. However, like you also mentioned, Ben Sweat was traded to Austin FC on Sunday over the weekend. So he was sent there for $100,000 in general allocation money. That's what Inter-Miami got back for him. So the left back that had his share of troubles... Uh, on the defensive side in 2020 is no longer with Inter Miami. I mean, for me, the only and I don't think it's a surprise. I don't, so I won't say it's a surprise, but it's definitely notable. And it's Luis Robles, right? Luis Robles was the team captain, and we predicted that he it, that it was likely he would not come back in 2021. But still notable, right? When when your captain uh, who started the year. As your captain, the player started the year as the captain is is let go, and it's unclear whether he will return. The team did say it's having conversations, it's holding talks with players about potentially bringing them back. But again, we have no real uh, clarity as to which players they're talking to. I, the only one that they mentioned by name in that press release a couple of weeks ago was Andres Reyes. They made it a point to say, "Hey, we're trying to bring this player back." Though, they're not trying to bring him back at the figure that they had agreed upon, you know, because they had a buy option, an automatic buy option in his loan deal from, from Colombia. However, they didn't trigger that. So I guess they want to work uh, a smaller number or a lower a lower price because if they wanted him that badly, they would have just triggered that option, um, but they didn't. So and besides that, there's not there's not real any real surprises. And, and you touched on the roster overall that still exists in the core there. I mean, I still think there's players in there that you could say, mm, maybe they're not that good. But, you know, this is a team that was built. And, you, you know, you can't get rid of everybody because you, you can't just start from from zero, at least on a, on a player standpoint. So there's definitely some players in there that I'm still not convinced by. Matias Pellegrini's one, though we've talked about him and, and obviously the investment they've put into him. Victor Ulloa, capable, but, I mean, is he is he really that, that big of a... Is he really that important of a piece going forward? I mean, there, there's 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 some players in there that I'm not I'm not fully convinced by, but we'll see how Inter Miami approaches figuring this out because they have to add a lot of pieces and they're gonna have to add a lot of pieces fairly soon with who knows who as the sporting director because you know the the off season will fly by and and until I don't know who's gonna be calling these shots. I mean I guess Nikki Budalich, who was the the third in command in the front office, he's the only one that reportedly remains out of out of that that staff right it was Paul McDonough uh Kurt Schmidt and and uh, Nikki Budalich who, who formerly worked at Orlando City Kurt Schmidt reportedly is out per the athletic so him and Paul McDonough will be gone and that just leaves Nikki Budalich who I'm surprised remains but I guess maybe he'll be calling some of the shots not not really sure there again because we haven't been able to 
to speak to anyone to get any any real concrete answers to, to what's going on. Steve, if there's one position you think needs to be addressed after these roster moves, what is it? I, 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 it goes back to, I think, central midfield. They just didn't, don't, don't create enough chances. Um, and they need some, some, some creativity in there. Our old friend Pizarro, that's supposed to be his job. Um, again, he didn't really work. So I'd like to see someone in there that could just pull a few strings and, you know, you've got the Tweedy to do the donkey work, to do the do the hard yards in, in midfield. You just want someone that could just unlock unlock a defence for Pizarro and Higuain or whoever else is up front. So, um, yeah, that would be that would be, that'd be me for sure. And then every other position, basically. But, yeah. I'd be surprised if Pizarro stays, if Diego Alonso goes. I would be surprised that if Diego Alonso goes, I'd expect Rodolfo Pizarro to get sold somewhere because he was obviously... Diego Alonso's guy, right? The first major signing they made once Diego Alonso came on board. So I'd have a hard time picturing him staying if Diego Alonso is let go. I've said that they needed a a left winger in the past. I still believe that, but that's with them thinking that Diego Alonso would would remain as a head coach. And right now we don't know if that's the case. So just based off what we... What we're seeing and the uncertainty that it has a head coach, I think they absolutely need a goalkeeper. That's not necessarily the, the main priority, but I think they they need one and I think they're going to look to address. I don't think John McCarthy will be the number one in 2021. I think they'll look to, to upgrade that position as well as a few others. But we're going to take another quick break. We'll come back to close things out with our Q&A session and our final thoughts after this. Alrighty, Steve. So let's get to the Q&A session. We always say we're going to do these pretty quickly, but we're going to try to be quick today. Honestly, try to be quick today. We have a few of them. So as you can imagine, given the what's been going on with the team and the state of everything. So as always, I'll ask them and we'll alternate answering. And if you know the other one wants to chime in on a specific question, then we can. Okay. First question comes from Carlos J. Flores with all the quote miscommunication going around in the front office and on the field. Who is going to be making the moves during the January transfer window? Could these miscommunications affect us in the transfer window? Steve, you want to start? You want me to start? Yes, it will do. As we've just, we've said, you know, just uh, earlier, earlier in the, in the pod, you know, I think they're on the back foot now. Now they're scrambling around trying to find, unless they've got someone, you know, in mind to bring in and that works going on behind the scenes, but it's still a little bit too, too raw for that. I would have thought so. It's it's they're on the back foot. I mean, we don't know exactly when the season's going to start, but it's it's probably around March time, isn't it? So not that long, only three months. So this is, they need to act pretty fast, I think. Otherwise, we're going to be sitting here this time next year having the same conversation. Yeah, and if if the season starts in March, which is still being discussed because MLS wants to start it in early March, but the players' association might it has already kind of put up resistance to that idea. Um, so if it does start in March, preseason normally starts end of January or early February. So we're not talking that much time at all. So, I, I mean, and with regards to the answer to the question, like I said a little bit earlier on the pod, I think Nikki Budalich is going to, I mean, Pablo Dunn is helping with the transition. If nobody else is brought on board, I'd expect Nikki Budalich to take a more important role in the front office unless they sign uh, a sporting director to that quickly to take, you know, to, to fill in for Paul McDonough. The next question comes from Superior7. His question is pretty short and straightforward. Any updates on sponsors? I'll, you know, I'll answer this one, Steve. There, there hasn't been really any talk about sponsors. Paul McDonough was obviously, he, he was wearing that hat on the business side as well. And with his exit, you got to imagine that all, all the sponsor talk is on the 
back foot now. The, the priority is on the sporting side and trying to sort out the mess that has become that. So let's go to the next question from Eric, which is not Eric Krakauer, but at Eric 26, 28, 71, 26. If Alonso is released or decides to walk on his own, who do you foresee as his replacement? Any guesses? And do you see us resigning, resigning, sorry, Breck Shea or Mikey Ambrose after the expansion draft? Steve? Ah, good, good question. Patrick Vieira is available. I think we can go go for him. I just, you know, although the team didn't do well, we've still seen, um, you know, the, 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 the franchise, because of the ownership, because of Beckham, because of Miami, because of everything they're trying to be, it still does generate news. It's interesting. Even though the team hasn't been good, they still made headlines, mostly for the wrong reasons, but there's been interest and it's still a very, very attractive job for someone. And this is where, just go back to the previous question as well, is where someone like Beckham, who could pretty much speak to anyone in on planet football, this is where he potentially needs to, to pull in some favours, get speaking to people, which I'm, I'm sure he's doing that anyway. Um, but, you know, and, and try and get the right person and the figurehead you know, an, a, not an A-lister, but, you know, a, a good, solid name, maybe an A-lister, who knows, you know, to, to be the figurehead of this club. Not the sporting director, it's, it's the, the manager, the coach. Can they get that big name, that's, you know, experience to take this team forward? Because I think that's just they, what it needs. It needs a big personality, a big name to try and just galvanise everyone. So I think Vieira didn't work out for him in, in France, did a great job with NYCFC, was really liked before he left for France. Um and it is a, is a great name. I'm speaking purely with my journalistic hat on here, just thinking of headlines and potential stories to sell to the UK. But, um, you know, it, it needs that kind of person, I think, to, to come in. Gallardo over a play was, was a target before. Again, would be fantastic. But, you know, is he going to leave a play and come to Miami right now? It's, it's probably doubtful. I've got a name for you. i got a name for you that might be interesting to you. This is just, you know, me guessing, me throwing a name out there. But I think it'd be interesting for you. I think it would really work out for you, actually. Although I don't know how well it would fit the... The, the the South American Latin flair that that Inter Miami has built, but I was you know Phil Neville throw that throw that out there. Um, yeah, I think I think maybe uh, he could be someone that Inter Miami takes a look at and is like all right, let's let's bring him on board. He's obviously got the Beckham connection, and that's something that's a big factor in this. And that's what that's one of the reasons why why I like Patrick Vieira as a name, especially because he has experience in MLS. Given that Paul McDonough is no longer going to be calling those shots, I think that ownership is going to make maybe the decision on who hires the next coach. Unless they have a GM already lined up, and which I can't imagine that they do, because otherwise they wouldn't be doing this whole transition. I think the ownership, whether it's Beckham, whether it's Moss, and obviously Beckham has more of the soccer savvy and knows the game more, so maybe they're going to pick the next one. And I would not imagine that they go with Vieira, someone as MLS ties. I would imagine they go for someone maybe a bit sexier or has a, a bit more uh, ties to, to, to Beckham. So... Well, I think Vieira would be a good candidate. I don't, I don't see them going, going that route. As for the players, I mean, it's hard to get left backs, man. It's hard to get left backs, but I don't see them re-signing Breck Shea or Mikey Ambrose. Maybe Ambrose, maybe, you know, to be the number two, given that he should be fairly cheap. But both those guys were brought on more so because of their connections to Paul McDonough. They both played for him uh, at Atlanta and Orlando. So I, I wouldn't expect either of them to come back. Probably Mikey Ambrose maybe more likely. Uh, okay, three more questions, Steve. Next one comes from Andres. Hey guys, what do you, what do we need from this offseason turnover in the squad staff? New vision, stick with the same, or communication? Eyeballs emoji. Um, thanks for the pod throughout this crazy time. Steve, you can start on this one. 
Yeah, I mean, it goes back to what, what we said before. Unfortunately, it needs a, it, it, the squad needs an overhaul, as does the front office. So <laughs> they really are back to square one. At least we've got a stadium right now. That's, that, that's, that's one thing to tick off. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's, you know, it was, it was always going to be the way after such a poor season, irrespective of, of you know, getting into the playoffs, that there were going to be changes, but we didn't anticipate so much upheaval and sort of unhappiness behind the scenes. And look, carnage is probably a strong, too strong a word, but definitely a lot of, of um, discontent of, of how things have, have been run. And, uh, and as we say, the clock is ticking and March is going to come around pretty quick. And they're going to have to get their get their you know um, wheels into gear pretty pretty quickly to start to start off the season well because if it doesn't start well, then it's going to be a long old sort of struggle again, isn't it? Yeah, I would say communication obviously is something that has to improve, and I think that's something that ownership and and that the club, even though we haven't heard from them, I think it's something that they have recognized, and I think maybe in twenty twenty one they'll do a better job of regardless of wins, losses, and circumstances that you know. This is the Moss Brothers' first venture into sports, something that has to be taken into account. So they're probably getting their feet wet just as as much as you know any anyone else that's, that's joined Inter Miami and is having their first go with an MLS team and, and having their first experience there. So not an excuse, but I, I think that that will be improve. And as for the vision, I mean, it's it, yeah, I I don't know, man. I like I'd have to really sit down and think. I think. The vision, you know, they should try to continue what Diego Alonso has started, but I don't know if, if they will because it's, it's starting to seem more and more like he, he may not be back in 2021 as well. Uh, all right, next one comes from Can't See Me at Jorge DTA. Now that we know who the team has retained for now and who they have let go, who would you like to see them target moving forward? Would you take a chance on a player like Andrew Carlton to fill a left winger spot or does an Inter Miami need to spend money to solidify the position? So... I think he's talking about the left winger spot just in general there. I don't, or I don't know if he's talking about just the overall roster. I'll give you a name of a type of player that they need. Uh, Michel Barrios, Barrios from FC Dallas. Type of winger that can give you some goals and some assists and can co- cause some havoc down the left side. Someone like him. Not saying necessarily him, but someone like him that has proven, you know, can come into your squad and, and you know, be a contributor for many years on, on, the, on the left side or on the right side. In this case, Miami on the left because you know you have Lewis Morgan on the right. So something of someone like that that can contribute for years to come and be productive. Not necessarily doesn't doesn't have to be a game breaker, but someone that can make an impact on a on a more consistent basis. Steve, yeah, I, I just I just change the tack slightly. I think you know a lot depends on what happens with you know Pizarro, doesn't it? If 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 Alonso leaves, will Pizarro stay? And then if Pizarro goes, then that will free up money won't it indeed and, and then free up a, a sort of a big slot for then someone to someone to come in and for them to make their move so you know it's important just as well as players coming in but they've got to make sure that they get the right players out to free up those those holes to to, to bring you know some, someone else in so as, as we keep saying you know they've got so much work to do last question from J.R. Reed. hey gents now that Paul McDonough is gone who would be a great candidate to take over all his roles? Should they get someone with MLS's MLS experience or no MLS experience? Happy holidays. I think they should go for someone with MLS experience. If it was me making the call, I would go for someone that has MLS experience. I'd go after Chris Henderson and try to pluck him from Seattle, see what it takes to get him to come down to Miami, though I imagine he'll be a little more reluctant given the situation at hand, um, but I don't. I don't necessarily think Inter Miami is going to go that route again. If they're, 
you know, blowing up the front office and they're blowing up potentially the head coaching position, then I think it's going to come down really to, to Beckham to pinpoint who he thinks is going to help turn this, this ship around because he's the one with the, he's the person in uh, a position of power with the highest soccer IQ, right? So it would, this is would be where he has to come in and, and really share his area, uh, share his thoughts, his opinions and give, you know, Essentially, this would be his area of expertise now, and that's where he really would have to come in and maybe have more of a hands-on role than, than he's had. Obviously, he has been involved, but yeah, I think even more so now if given given what's what's going on. And I think they, they do need to go back to having one guy focus just on the sporting side and have one guy just focus on the business side. I think this, this you know, one person or one-size-fits-all type of cap that they gave Paul McDonough this season was... Not a good move. Um, you know, it's, it's a lot to have to think about, a lot to have to juggle there. There's a reason why they started with, with a, you know, with two different people in those two different positions at the start of the year. It's why most teams have a guy in, in, a, in a business position and a guy on the, on the sporting side. It's just very different jobs and a lot of different responsibilities. So I think they need to go back to having you know, two different positions. Yeah, because it also, just going, I mean, you mentioned Jurgen Manker before, who was sort of there, omnipresent throughout the whole sort of build up and everything like that. And he was he was he was a point of contact at one point for us in terms of dealing with stuff. And then all of a sudden he just disappeared. And we never really got an answer about that. Not that I actually asked the people in charge what happened to him because other things superseded it. But yeah, I mean it, it seemed that he went and then Paul Madonna got all his responsibilities and then everything yeah. I have so. a, I have a theory on that. I have a, it's not proven. Again, this is just and I'm gonna say it because we're we're here on the pod and we're talking and you know this is part of uh the water cooler talk, as, as they say. And this is not information. I will stress that this is clearly just my supposition, you know, my, my, my sensation from the outside. I would not be surprised if Paul McDonough undercut Jurgen Micah. I would not be surprised if that happened. Because, you're, again, there were two positions when the year started. And then out of nowhere, around the same time, or just before, we found out that Paul McDonough, or excuse me, that Jurgen Micah was leaving the team for unknown reasons, which we never got an answer from, we never got clarity as to why he left or, or an explanation, Paul McDonough's title changed. And it went from sporting director to sporting director and chief operations officer. Uh, so I would not be surprised if something happened behind the scenes. Maybe they thought you're, maybe, maybe the Moss brothers and maybe Beckham didn't think Jurgen Michael was doing a good enough job. At his role, you know, there was talk about the jersey sponsor, and then there was some backlash about that. So I wouldn't be surprised if something along those lines happened, and then you know, Paul was like, "Hey, I can do that if you give me the chance," or or something along those lines. And then they were like, "Okay, you know what? We like what you've done so far. Here you go, boom!" And they gave him both both titles. But again, that's just I will reiterate a sensation I've got from the outside. We don't have answers. We don't have answers. So like you know, and and. That's this type of talk can happen when you don't have answers, when you don't get uh, a chance to, to, to speak to the people that, that make the decisions and, and get at least something out of them to understand what, what's gone on you know, behind the scenes. Um, but again, that's not information. I will repeat that one more time. Not information, just a sensation. But um, our information is that it has been a mess behind the scenes. So that, <laughs> that, that counts for something. <laughs> that, that, that does count for something. Okay, Steve, we'll wrap it up with our final thoughts. Steve, you go first because I'm sure we're going to be back with the pod next week or very soon thereafter because this offseason is only getting started. Yeah, I mean, you know, having just sort of spoken about it for the last 58 minutes or whatever, 
it's, it's it's a little bit sad, really, that it's sort of it's come to this because just when we were sort of talking about, oh well, they did okay this season, but not great, but they're going to use it as a springboard now they have a full preseason. They are li- really literally, I think, back to square one right now, and it's if they're starting with a with a clean slate. But yeah, I, I just don't know if that's going to. I think it will help them if they needed clarity and they needed to clear out Deadwood or whatever else happened. They needed to make those changes. Fine, it's just the new guy has to come in, whoever that is is to come in and really hit the ground running and and you know get get involved and, and make moves straight from the start because the clock the clock's ticking so but it's 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 never dull which is a, which is a great thing um for us as as neutrals but uh, for the fans it's yeah it's a little bit uneasy but you know we'll have to wait and see what happens it's definitely been a dramatic novella inter miami in 2020 my final thoughts are this they're probably not listening but if they are david beckham Jorge Mas, speak to us. It's time someone comes out and speaks to us. It's been more than time for someone to do so. Not only do us on the reporting and media side need to get some answers, your fan base needs answers. They don't know what the heck is going on. This last few weeks have been a real mess. Silence, uh, a firing, even though it's been described as a, as a stepping down. This is essentially Paul McDonough being removed from his position. Um, it's why, you know, Kurt Schmidt's also going. It's not, it's not like, oh, you know, he had personal reasons why he's leaving. They, we, need, we need some answers, and the fan base needs answers. They need some direction. Give them some reason for hope for 2021. Because if I'm a fan right now, and I'm seeing this team in this state of disarray, I mean, I don't know if I'm, uh, if I'm buying any jerseys or any, any tickets uh, or season tickets for 2021 right now because just it, the whole thing is a mess. So it's time to talk. Someone come out and give us a message as to what's going on and what to expect going forward because right now they're t- this is the big dent in Inter-Miami's brand and like a lot of people are saying around MLS fans, people on the inside, people that work in the sport, Inter-Miami right now looks like a dumpster fire. So it's time to talk. But that does it for now on Miami Total Football Radio. We'll be back again next week, hopefully with some more answers. But we'll see how that goes. As always, don't forget to follow us on our social media channels. From Steve and I, have a good one, folks. 